In the face of compelling evidence, I could change okay. anything. The Daily Wire is a media platform who has a fast-talking Jewish host who quite frequently says and tweets the most blasphemous things about Jesus Christ, our Lord. The Daily Wire also has hosts who call themselves Catholic, but are not distinctly Catholic on air, and they don't have to be. Yet, we as faithful Catholics should be careful in promoting people such as Michael Knowles, who teaches heresy. In fact, in a recent appearance on a 4 million sub podcast called Whatever, Daily Wire political commentator Michael Knowles did his best impression of President Joe Biden in telling everyone that despite the fact that his personal opinion and his personal interpretation of scripture are contrary to what the Catholic Church teaches, he still considers himself to be a faithful Catholic. I'll respond to Knowles' heretical position on today's show. Hovering over the skies of a post-Christian society, we have spotted a man with a donut in one hand oh. and rosary beads in another. Child, I'm about to whoop Satan's behind. He is boldly proclaiming truth and reason like no rigid Catholic ever has before. The David L. Gray Show begins now. Back in to David O'Gray Show, voicing truth and reason. Hit that like and sub button um, below and that notification bell if you haven't already. Please do. Thanks for helping grow the channel. If you are listening on Apple, please leave me a review. I'd like to give a big shout out to my all my supporters on Patreon and all the YouTube members. Thank you for helping pay the bills around here. I deeply appreciate it. Lastly, I invite you all to hop over to stdominicsmedia.com to check out our content on theology courses, our books, and our other media. Now let's get into the show. So it started off like this. But I feel like you could still find a good middle ground. I mean, like, I am okay with people owning guns, but there's certain other things I probably wouldn't be okay with that conservatives are okay with. Okay, like, I'm not pro-life. Yeah, not yet. I won't I change. Yeah. I will not change my mind. On you that one. That's what I said. But then I got convinced. I I just <laughs> there's no way I'd be convinced to change my mind on that. Yeah, no. And from there, Michael Knowles did his best to try to convince these social media divas and strippers that all life in the womb has immutable value assigned to it from God, and thereby cannot be destroyed by people who have that same immutable value sound assigned to them by God. Mr. Knowles did not use those exact words, those are my words, but that's the point that he spent about a half an hour attempting to make in the midst of many interruptions by women who apparently, apparently, do not believe in their own immutable value, obvious from how they are dressed. And then it happened. The Polish or Slavic sounding woman asks Michael this. Human DNA and for you, are you? Um, it doesn't though. If had DNA, do you like, does. Does. Do you like the death? Like, are you pro death penalty? Yes, like? I'm very pro death. So, penalty. how are you saying that everyone has a right to live if you're pro death penalty? <laughs> well, because the civil authority, the civil authority has the right how to exact you, justice. You were doing the. I, I wrote a whole um, topic on in debate class because if you're religious, right? Yeah. 
So how are you pro death penalty mm -hmm. if you are not God? Because the, the because uh, whosoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. Yeah, but because man is made in the image and likeness of God. But so who is who is to decide when to take that? Soul the civil away? authority, which does not bear the sword in vain. But who is the who is to decide who that civil authority is? Well, there are different forms of civil authority. There's monarchy, oligarchy, and democracy, and different so societies God. at different times. Well, no, God does, in His foreordaining providence, uh, uh, permit but the civil authority and entrusts the enactment of justice so to that is, civil authority. But you said that my body belongs to the God. Your body belongs to God, as, as does your soul. It also everyone laughs. Laughter is a natural response to someone saying something stupid or hypocritical. It reminds me of this moment when swimmer Riley Gaines asked University of Pittsburgh professor, uh, I think a professor of anthropology, if he were to dig up long decayed bones of one male, one female, could he tell them apart strictly by looking at their bone structure? And he said, no. And everyone laughs. You being an anthropologist, which anthropology is the study of human civilization, humans. So if you were to dig up a human, two humans, and a hundred years from now, both man and woman, could you tell the difference? Strictly off of bones. Yeah, because there's a wide Notice how everyone laughs at him. Comedy is really simple. I did it for a while. I did stand-up comedy for a while. And it's really just basic math. It's this big secret that, you know, it's the magic. But it's really good comedy is just basic math. Here's, here's the formula. is incongruence plus timing. That is, you say the most incongruent thing, the thing that people do not expect to hear at that moment, and, and you space your words in a way that gives them time to digest the incongruent thing properly, and they laugh. Why? Because humans were created by the divine logos to be like, be, to be like him, to be rational beings. Therefore, when we are confronted with irra irra irrationality, our emotions get triggered. We laugh or get angry. It is subjective. It's based upon the life experience of the hearer. That's why not everyone laughs or cries at the same things, but it's really basic math. And in the instant case, these women got it. They're looking at this guy who spoke for nearly 30 minutes about how life is valuable, how we can't kill it. But in his next breath, he says the most incongruent thing, incongruent thing. He says he's pro-death penalty and he laughed. And that is not what the Catholic Church teaches in paragraph 2267 of the Catechism of the Catholic Church, which says, Recourse to the death penalty on a part of legitimate authority following a fair trial was long considered an appropriate response to the gravity of certain crimes and acceptable, albeit extreme, means of safeguarding the common good. Today, however, there is an increasing awareness that the dignity of a person is not lost even after the commission of a very serious crime. In addition, a new understanding has emerged of the significance of the penal sanction imposed by the state. Lastly, more effective systems of detention have been developed, which ensure that due protection of citizens, but at the same time do not defensively deprive the guilty of the possibility of redemption. 
Consequently, the church teaches in the light of the gospel that the death penalty is inadmissible because it is in an attack on the inviolability and dignity of the person. And she works with determination for its abolition worldwide. So not only does Catholic Michael Knowles hold an anti-Catholic heretical position, being very pro-death penalty, as he says, apparently as pro-death penalty as the Jews and Romans who gave our Lord Jesus Christ the death penalty. But he also reminds us, reminds us of Joe Biden here, old Joe, who carries around a rosary, goes to mass, receives the Holy Eucharist, meets Pope Francis every few years, calls himself a faithful Catholic, but advocates for killing babies in the womb, mutilating children's reproductive organs, and marrying people of the same sex. Why? Because, like Michael knows, he values his own position in evangelizing his own opinion more than he values the teachings of the Catholic Church and evangelizing the teachings of the Catholic Church, and it's a shame. We have Catholics like Joe Biden and Michael Knowles in the public space. But while we're here, let's go ahead and move past the laughter and dissect Michael's heretical position. First, he says that civil authorities have the right to enact justice. What he's talking about here is he's, is he's taken from chapter 13 of Romans uh, in verses 1 through 7, where St. Paul encourages the Romans to obey rulers because God has ordained them. And uh, when we oppose these rulers, Paul says, um, who God has ordained, we oppose God. And that it is not in vain, he says, that the ruler ordained by God bears a sword because the, he, the ruler, is an, aven an avenger for the wrath of God against those who practice evil. And Paul also says in verse 3 that rulers ordained by God are not a terror to good works. So if you're not reading like an interlinear Bible that gives you the Hebrew and the Greek, you may have not have saw the word ordained. You might have saw some word they transliterate that says um, higher authority. But in Greek, the word is tasso, which means ordained by God. So the first thing we have to note here is that the death penalty or capital punishment is not mentioned anywhere in these verses of Romans 13, 1 through 7. So this verse has always been used as a weak proof text to defend state-sanctioned homicide. It's like our Protestants use 1 Timothy 3.14 as their proof text for their defense of Sola Scriptura, despite the fact that there's nothing in that verse or that section that talks about Scripture alone. The second problem is that St. Paul's understanding of the Romans' imperial authority were the imperial cult, the emperor, and some of his family members. They were thought to have been preordained by God to inherit the crown because of their bloodline and of their related soul. Therefore, rulers, uh, was the belief is that rulers had a divine right from God to rule. This is why St. Paul specifically used the term tasso, which means ordained by God. So in context, Paul is not talking about present-day government or democracies. Joe Biden is not tasso. He's not ordained by God. Nor is he God's avenger against evildoers, quite the opposite. Yet, the church is always considered 
Romans chapter 13, verse 1 through 7. Here's what the church considered. They always considered it to be an outline of the general principles, how Christians should behave in society as long as the laws are just and unjustly applied. And that's the rub against Michael Knowles' bad theology here. The Catholic Church is teaching in paragraph 267 that the death penalty is not just. It is an injustice um, because all life has immutable intrinsic value from God. And because it is value and worth comes from God, man cannot destroy it. Here's a story. They, they brought Jesus uh, a coin. And Jesus asked, whose image is this? And I replied, is the imago of Caesar. And then Jesus told him, render unto Caesar what is Caesar and render unto God what is God. The imago day, man made in the image of God, does not belong to the state. The state has no right to do with the image of God what it wants to. It thinks it can, but it does not. And we all know that. Therefore, we do not give the state some arbitrary right to kill us because there's nothing we can do in our life as the church teaches to strip away our imago or our value because the image and value assigned to us does not come from the government. It comes from God. Therefore, we cannot give the state the image of God to do with it what it wants to. Next, Michael becomes so flippant, disgustingly so, at the fact that Jesus Christ himself was falsely accused and given a death penalty, saying, oh yeah, stuff happens. People get things wrong and people die, so what? I think the only black and white is we probably shouldn't talk about abortion and death penalty in the same sentence. Why not? I, I don't I, see there any contradiction no, 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 at all. I, I agree with you. It's just that, you know, I agree with you. Like, death penalty is just, you know, people already, to be sentenced to that, people committed. Well, apparently really everyone has crime. the right but to like, life. I already I, I know, you know, there was a case where it was wrongfully you know, someone was wrongfully accused. Oh, yeah. So that it's happens, just, yeah. yeah, I mean, um, so that's why, like, I don't know. But that doesn't mean we get rid of the criminal justice system. No, I, I totally agree yeah. with you. It's just like, you know, a child is innocent and then you talk about death penalty. Not you. I just, like, yeah, no, I, of course. Well, that's so true if you so sentence a guy to 50 years in yeah, prison. Just, you know, that's a shame, it's too. It's that we talk about, like, an innocent child and then the death. You know, someone's well, crazy. well, people I just, get things wrong. Yeah, people, I, you know, I just bring up the death penalty because you're over here talking about how everyone has the right to life, but now you're dictating whether or not can, someone can have life. No, I'm saying, saying that the civil authority has the right and the responsibility well, to who, enact justice. Not God anymore, apparently. Yes. Well, well, the civil authority governs the affairs on earth. Oh, yeah. That happens. You, you can always tell when a person has not obeyed Jesus' command to go visit them in prison. In fact, that was the only thing Jesus ever told us to do with people in prison. Visit them. Because they are also the Imago Dei. And as such, Jesus identifies with them personally and is with them. But for people like Michael... Oh yeah, stuff happens. People get killed by the state all the time without, without ever having done anything wrong. Crap happens. The flippancy here is disgusting. And Michael should be ashamed of himself for treating the Imago Dei that way. And while I'm here, let, let me go ahead and make this point about the pro-death penalty Catholics who do their best interpretation of Protestants by cherry-picking scripture, like in this demonic book called By Man Shall His Blood Be Shed, A Catholic Defense of Capital Punishment. Flatly, the most demonic book I have ever read in my entire life. 
There is no life in this book whatsoever. It was inspired by Satan. Have you ever noticed how people, these people, never use the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John to defend the death penalty? Why? Because at every moment of his life, Jesus is advocating for life. Even when Peter pulled out his sword to issue the death penalty, Jesus tells him to put the sword down. There is nothing more important to Jesus than bringing us relationship with his father and advocating for life through him with his father. As Catholics, we recognize the horror of state-sanctioned homicide in our Feast of Holy Innocence, Herod killing the first Christian martyrs, babies given the death penalty by the state while Jesus' life was spared. On a Sermon on the Mount, Jesus refused the death penalty numerous of times. First in his Beatitudes, saying, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Next in his teachings about anger. Because killing people who sin against us is about being angry about what they did. Saying, everyone who is angry with his brother shall be liable to judgment. Next in his teachings about retaliation, Jesus rejects the lex talionis, the teaching of an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Saying, if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other cheek as well, which is not a hard teaching. When my daughters were young, I always used to hear them proclaim, evangelize, the Lex Talionis, saying, saying, I hit her because she hit me first. And as parents, we always say, you don't hit someone because they hit you first. We always tell them that. Even General George Washington got this. I mean, he, he used every means possible. He did everything possible to avoid going to war with England. So when we seek peace, we are being our most human selves and most like Christ because our God is the king of peace. Lastly, Jesus refused the death penalty on the cross. The Jewish highest, higher authority, the Jewish religious leaders, the Jewish establishment, and the Romans gave him the death penalty. And the reason why we now have life everlasting is because Jesus showed us how foolish it is for man to attempt to kill the Imago Dei. In the resurrection, Jesus not only laughed at the death penalty, but he mocked it. They tried to give God death. In return, God gave us life. He mocked it. He laughed at the death penalty. It was incongruent. They tried to give him the death penalty. And in return, he gave us life in him. Life eternal. They tried to kill him on their instrument of death. And he came down from the cross to give us life. Every time. We look at the crucifix and the cross. We are looking at the death penalty. We are adoring the death penalty and how Christ overcame it. Take up your instrument of death and follow me, Jesus says. Because the world is always trying to give his followers a death penalty. It is our burden in this world to be martyrs in this way. Michael Knowles is not alone in his heretical hypocrisy. I know when you get paid for your opinion, it's, it's much more tempting to talk about what you believe than what the church teaches. And, and we all get 
um, judged for that. In the end, we all will. It's the opposite of humility. But, but this is why truth is so beautiful, because truth is consistent and congruent. We know that the magisterial teachings in favor of state killing its enemies was never a dogmatic teaching of the church. Because that is no longer what the church believes. It's no longer the magisterial teaching. Magisterial dogmatic teaching does not change. But non-dogmatic magisterial teachings can change and often have. Even the church's magisterial teachings changed many times on slavery. And it's okay to admit that because it wasn't dogmatic. We also know that the magisterial teaching on sanctioned homicide was never dogmatic teaching because it never applied to all Catholics. Catholic priests were forbidden from being uh, executioners uh, of death penalty because the church knew what harm could be done to their soul by killing the Mago Day. Yet the true dogmas of the church are always applied universally on all Christians. For example, there is no sacraments that we qualify for that we cannot worthily receive. There is nothing in the creed that we confess at Mass that is not for all to believe. There is no infallible teaching by any Pope that is not for all believers. Yet priests were not allowed to be executioners. What was so wrong about killing the enemies of the state that compelled the church to forbid priests from doing it? Why did the church have two different standards for holiness? One for priests, one for executioners, like Giovanni Battista Bugatti who was the official executioner for the papal states from 1796 to 1864, carrying out 516 executions. Many of that 516 executions for heresy, most for robbery and theft, but also for murder, attempted murder, and premeditated murder. It was a real shame what the Catholic Church did to the soul of Bugatti. I hope that God had mercy on him and we pray for his soul. That, that God will. 516 executions. No care for that man's soul was, was exercised. No one accompanied him. Thank God that the Catholic Church moved away from being so closely aligned with the states and the state stirs for revenge and flawed human justice and has matured to recognize the consistent truth of human dignity that all human life has a sign has been assigned from God at the moment of conception, a dignity and value that we can never lose because that part of us is immortal, despite the fact of the forgivable choices that we'll make in while in while the soul is with the body. Therefore, let us spend the rest of our lives defending that one truth, that life is the only thing that God gave us. And the best parts of our life is a life we share with him in Christ. But until then, and until next time, blessings and shalom to you and to yours. In the face of compelling evidence, I could change okay. anything. <laughs>